Hey, Facebook, it is Thursday, and we have an incredible guest. Dr. Michelle Olson is going to talk with us about this idea of nature, aging, outdoors, and give us some new perspective on how we think about how we integrate those two for our older adults. But before then, I want to give a big thank you to Serenity Engage, the HIPAA-compliant app. So stick, stick with us as we show a short little video on the benefits of Serenity. And we're back, and I wish I could come up with something more creative to introduce Catherine, <laughs> but instead I am going to say it is the creative one, the inspiring one, Catherine Wells. <laughs> well, at least you tried. You I tried. Did. And my my kids all say, hashtag you tried. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm learning their speak, I guess. No, I, so um, great to see everybody today if you're joining us live. As always, please ask your questions, share your comments and your ideas. We have Michelle here. We're really excited to talk to. We had Michelle on our show seven months ago, a little over seven months Jeez. ago, and that was at the very beginning of COVID. It's been that long, seven months it, of COVID. It's been a long time, and um, we brought Michelle on at that time because she really was speaking our language around um, we you know, COVID is an opportunity. We can't go back to the way it was. And I, I want to say, Michelle, and I'll, I'll have you introduce yourself in a moment, but I really do think that we have come a long way in those seven months. Yes, there, there are some things that we're still struggling with, but in those seven months, I have seen some big shifts in this industry, and I'm, I'm glad to see that. And I think some of that is related to the work that we're all doing. So welcome to the show for the second time. Thank you. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here with both y'all. Always so much fun. Pleasure. Oh, there you go with y'all. See, I, 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 I thought you were from the South, but you're not. So now I know. No. So Michelle, tell our audience a little bit about who you are. So I am a gerontologist, but I didn't start off that way. So I started off coming into the field through art therapy. So that's how I kind of led into elder care was through art therapy. And then I went into recreation. So I was an activity leader for many years, a director of recreation and a corporate director of recreation. So that's really my love is, you know, kind of implementing creative ideas and programs for people living in particularly long-term care. That's my passion. So um, I became a gerontologist because I wasn't in love with everything that I was seeing. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to help kind of create some change, especially around the areas of person-centered care, right? And giving people more choice in their daily lives. So that's actually why I became a gerontologist. So um, I'm also a huge nature lover. So that's kind of how all of these things come together. And um, yeah. I think some of my favorite posts on social media, and I, I'm not big on social media. I'm not. I don't. I don't spend a lot of time on there. But I always see your posts, Michelle, and they're some of my favorites because oh. it's often Michelle out in nature, um, and and just sharing some wisdom or or sharing some thought provoking thing or questions for us to be thinking about. And it's really it, um, it really impacts my day. So I want to say thank you for the work that you do there. Thank you. And you're welcome. And and I think part of who I am too, for 
it was kind of by accident, but I want to say thankfully it was by accident. I kind of was led to mindfulness through nature over 20 years ago. So I was going through emotionally a really difficult time. Yeah. And so I kind of stumbled into it and I, I got this message from nature and that was it. Like then I just started to really pay attention and focus on my senses and focus on my surroundings. And that's kind of how it, how it happened. And I love that. And this is going to be a great question we have right out yep. there from Melinda. So I got to get it up. So Melinda wants to know what Dr. Olson shirt <laughs> What do you got for us, doctor? Thank you, Melinda. Reforming Ageist. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I think that's a great- Collectively, everybody. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So can you talk a little bit, I mean, we had a little brief talk before we get on the show, but what does that mean? Like a lot of people here, we, we throw that term around ageism, ageist, right? And, you know, and I think sometimes it's, it's almost just thrown out there, right? I want to really know what does it mean and, and what can we do about it? Well, ageism is pretty deep. I mean, there's different types of ageism. So mm -hmm. like on the, the broad level, right, there's mm -hmm. ageist jokes and ageist media. And, yeah. uh, you know, you see the ageist birthday cards and mm -hmm. commercials and so forth. But ageism can also go deeper, right? Yeah. It's inside of each of us. And that's internalized mm -hmm. ageism. So, for instance, uh, Kathy and I were just talking about a comment that she made to herself. So if I said something like, you know, oh, I'm too old to look, look, y'all, I'm too old to put purple in my hair. I'm 51. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Just like that. I'm, you know, I, I really need to, you know, do this, or I need to do that because of my age. Anytime you're putting something because of an age, and it can go for younger people too. It's ageism. So internalized ageism is a little harder to to spot. And so this this term reforming ageist is something that I was talking about with our president Aaron Partridge, and I was like, you know, here's something I'm thinking about. She's like, that's great. Let's make a shirt. So. The idea is we are all ages. We're all raised in this culture, right? This youth loving culture. We resist age. We resist um, getting older because it equates to dying. You know, like we have all these thoughts about aging. So this just kind of says, you know what? I'm a work in progress. Yeah. I love that because I had a, I had a, was on a call with a friend who's who's older than I am and he had to go get a colonoscopy and he was like, oh, don't get old. It's terrible. And I said, you know, I said, I said, well, let's flip the script on that. Let's look at that. You have the opportunity to get a colonoscopy because there are many people that don't see the age of 60. So think about all the things that you're able to do and been able to do. And that's really how I've started to look at it more recently is why do we have such a negative term with these um, older, these experiences that we have as we age, whether it's a doctor or whatever, right? We should look at it as an honor because there are many people who don't get to see that age or that number or have that life, or they've had something that has held them back because of, you know, a diet, maybe an early diagnosis of something, right? So let's look at aging that we can have more time to share, to, to pass on our, our legacies, to share our knowledge with those that are coming up. And that's what I want to get it back to is that benefit of that communal sharing of knowledge. Right. I love that. And I love that shifting. Yeah. And the other thing you touched on, which is really important, is ageism in healthcare. It's a problem. And it's a, it's a big problem in elder care. So it's a terrible problem in elder care. We segregate. You, you hit a certain age, you're you're just boom. I mean, you're just you're there. It's like what what? Like, I mean, I don't know. It's it just if we did that with like younger people, I don't know. It was like people that are not that in that age, whatever age you want to set for that. And we thought it was okay to put, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I just don't get why we think of it as that's the solution we've created. Right. And it is detrimental to our health. 
right? And so that's why I was kind of lecturing Kathy, <laughs> which I would like to do, by the way. I that's okay. That's okay. Can we talk a little bit about why, what does that yeah. do for the health of it? Yeah. Like why, why does that have an impact on our health? Well, I mean, there is research and Becca Levy, if anybody's interested, she's a, a you know, a longtime researcher on this topic of, of ageism and embodying kind of these stereotypes, these negative stereotypes. And it, it is shown that having that negative self-perception of aging and mm. thoughts that does impact our health and um, our longevity, which is pretty sad. Yeah. In fact, seven years. So like it's what? Wait, 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 seven so, years. Wow. So, so think about this. So all those times you're like, Oh, you know, I got to, I'm having a senior moment. Like all those little, small, little internalized beliefs, they add up. Like we want to just, it, recognize them, right? This is where mindfulness comes in. We right. want to recognize them and say, you know what? That was ages. Let it go. And then reframe it. Just like you said, Francis, kind of flip that, flip that script. That Interesting. More- That's really powerful because we, we tend to do that just as human beings. When I was, both my parents passed last year and I was calling friends of theirs to let them know. And one of my dad's best friends said to me, you know, Kathy, these uh, golden years sure are rusty. And I thought, oh, that's so sad. Just so sad to think that way. And I was telling you earlier, Michelle, before we went live, that um, uh, the, my brothers and I always said that my dad decided at a certain age that he was old. And from that point forward, we could see the shift in him. And it was very, very much um, in his mind. His body was not great, but he did have a life and he was doing things. And and then he decided he was old and it all changed. Kathy, when he thought that, did he, did he also see a physical change as well too, along with that mental? Like did things kind of accelerate because he's like, I can't do X, Y, or Z? Very much so, very much huh. so. Yeah, he, he ended up in the recliner watching TV most of the time. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really, I think it's fascinating that there, and I didn't know that Michelle, that there was yeah, actually no. a physical, it makes sense now that you say it, it's like, you know, could have had a V8, right? Um, I, did I just do a commercial for V8? You did. You <laughs> Maybe did. they'll send us some, I don't know. Um, it's, it, it's something that is so obvious once you do that, that you, it, it's hard not to see it. Now I will be paying very close attention. I, I will too, because that seven years is a lot. I mean, that's a big I want to live. I want to live a long time. And feel good about aging, right? Because aging is living, as we've said, and and there's there's nothing wrong with growing older. Why can't we we frame it to be exciting, to be, I mean, I don't understand why we have to look at all these things that we have to do as not an honor to be able to do those. Like I said, it goes back to flipping that script of let's cherish the things that we can do good or bad. Right. I mean, we have opportunities that some people don't. And, and that's what I I want people to take away. So if anybody's listening, you want an action. Think of shifting your mindset that you have an opportunity to do these things, not a burden. So and look at sharing that experience and how you reframe that experience and take what Dr. Yeah. Olson says about the mindfulness. I think that's a great segue into kind of what is evergreen minds? I mean, how do we use this mindfulness to kind of shift that thought or that thinking. Right. And it, thank you. And it is all kind of related because it does have a lot to do with ageism. And mm-hmm. we were talking about design of buildings. So Evergreen mm-hmm. Minds is something that I dreamed about for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it is a brand new not-for-profit. We are a 501c3 here in New York. And it's 
I consider it to be more of a philosophy mm-hmm. and really dementia care. That's kind mm-hmm. of what I consider it. So a nature-based dementia care. So what we do right now in this COVID time is we are offering very small, very, very small, free um, public groups out into natural spaces where we, um, people who are living with dementia and their loved one or their care partner, that we get together and we connect through our senses with nature. It might look like um, visual art with natural materials. It might look like drumming, poetry and story sharing. Um, The other day I was with some some ladies on the riverbank and we we looked at ducks and we spread milkweed seeds and Mm. a very mindful moment. And just to slow down and appreciate the beauty in these little moments. and that's really what Evergreen Minds is about, is is this engagement with nature, with one another, with ourselves. And the, I might be rushing ahead here, but... <laughs> no, you're good. No, this is perfect. I mean, this is fantastic. This goes back to the mind, the importance of that mind and mindfulness of, mind of just mind-body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so really, it, it came to be because of my experience in working in long-term care homes and the environments are not really conducive to this easy access to nature. So I remember, um, you know, running activities where I would do a lot of things outdoors, but it's hard work. And I know my um, recreation therapist on here, they'll, they'll step in too and say, it isn't easy because the living space is so far away and we, we get fresh air and sunlight anytime we want it. And so there's a problem. We know there's a lot of health benefits, which we could talk about to being a natural space. And we're not we're not taking advantage of them, you know, so we're keeping people inside. And if you have dementia, very often you're even more disconnected, usually locked behind a door. And so that's kind of what how Evergreen Minds came to be is I really wanted to help provide opportunities for people to kind of change the narrative around how we create living spaces, how we interact with nature and take, you know, take advantage of these these health benefits, these physiological and psychological health benefits of being outside, you know. So important. And when I look at what families ask us um, when in my other business, when families talk to us, one of the things they share frequently is they love to see photos of their loved one outside. Yep. Because it just it just brightens their day because we know innately that that is something that brings joy, that gives the vitamin D from the sunlight, all of the physiological benefits that we enjoy. We can almost feel that for our loved one when we see a photo of them outside. Um, Melinda has another comment on here. Asian cultures look at their elders as a great source of knowledge. And I know that that is true. Thank you so much, Michelle. And um, uh, did you, Michelle, uh, other, I'm sorry, Melinda. Yep. So Michelle, did you, what do you know about the Asian culture? Do you, did you do some research on that as well as part of this? Right. So that is, you know, while I'm not Buddhist, I definitely have a love for Buddhism and have been a kind of a follower for many, many years. And so there is a Japanese tradition called Shinrin-yoku, which when you translate it, it is forest bathing. And so that is what Evergreen Minds is pretty much founded on. 
And if you, if you will, just a little snippet of what that is. Yeah, please. I'm very curious. Yeah, me too. When you, when any of us go out into the woods, right? If you like that, not now acknowledging not everybody likes this and that's okay. Mm. But when we're out in the woods, there is this sense of peace and calm that comes over us. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's not actively hiking, you know, through the woods. It's naturally kind of gently walking through the woods and really connecting with our surroundings. And so there are these beautiful little chemicals um, that are given off called phytoncides, phytoncides that are given off by trees and plants. And even I've heard fruits and vegetables, but particularly like evergreen trees. And so these chemicals are in the trees to prevent them from um, predators like bugs and you know bacteria, germs. And so we're breathing that in. So if we think about it, we're breathing in those essential oils, those chemicals, and it's it's a act. Um, acts as a defense mechanism against um, disease. So we are seeing with Shinrin-yoku, right? This is, if you look at the research, there is um, improved sleep, um, decreased stress, uh, depression, anxiety, and who isn't feeling that right now, right? Oh my goodness. Um, inflammation. So, I mean, um, what else, what else? Uh, lower blood sugar. So there's so many benefits to being in natural spaces that we can apply to senior living. And so that's my question and my challenge is why aren't we using you know sunlight which is also proven to benefit cognition and um why aren't we using it? You know, we we're good at medicalizing, you know, so, illness and disease. But Yeah, that's a really good question Michelle and we actually were talking before we went live also about an article that came out in Senior Housing News yesterday where they talked about the fact that there are there's an uptick in antidepressants being prescribed right now. And I that just breaks my heart because it's so unnecessary. Um, how have you talked to some of the senior living providers about why are we not doing this? What are you learning about what the obstacle is? Well, the, the obstacle is I don't have time. Yeah, I don't yeah. have time for that. Yeah. Um, and, well, and now I should say, I know plenty of um, activity people who are doing the best they can. Of course they are. They're trying to get people out, especially with COVID. You can only take a couple people out at a time yeah. and it's fine. But but I'm thinking bigger, like, so everybody should have that option. Everybody in the place. Would you like to get outside and get some fresh air today? But right now it's not really even an option because staff are really doing the best they can so how yeah. about we get some volunteers in there because it yeah. should be an option like i don't know about y'all but if i was stuck inside for eight months and very maybe once or twice or whatever it is got outside i i wouldn't be well no and you're yeah. you are 100 percent correct because we we make it a point for a lot of our residents we work with a lot of those living with dementia that we go for walks daily with a maybe one on two, so one caregiver, two, two staff members. And it does help. I mean, it really does help because a lot of times we get residents that have either been at home or they're more restricted because they can't get out and walk. But when they do, they're less anxious in the evening hours. They feel like they've accomplished something. There's just an overall benefit. And the staff gets to spend some more personal time with them to, to learn a little bit more or learn more about them. And for those that are in wheelchairs, you can do the same thing. You can push them in the wheelchair or encourage them with a four wheel, you know, whatever you need to do, or sit them on the, sit with them, sit with them, 
sit with them on the back patio and and play a card game or do some do your activities outside in your small groups right get creative with using your spaces that it, it also brings joy to the staff too right because we can do both we can have fun and provide a great environment for older adults right and i'm not saying it's easy no, but it's not no. impossible right and yeah that's I, I want to go to what you said, Michelle, about the obstacle being I don't have time. And when you said that, you're um, you were speaking from the the senior housing providers' perspective. I don't have time. I can't. I, I just my house is on fire back here with COVID. Right. I got to take care of that. I just don't have time to do all this. Um, and even pre-COVID, I think there was some of the I we just don't have time. And one of the things that I'm learning to ask is. Why? Why don't you have time? Let's drill into that. What What are you spending your time on? Um, is that the most important thing? What are the things that are going to bring the highest quality of life to your loved ones? And, you know, we're here to shake up the industry a little bit. We're not here to go status quo because status quo isn't working. And Francis, you'll love this. Uh, there's a book that Francis and I have been reading that's or have read that's called Switch. Oh, and yeah. I've read it twice, I think. Yeah. And it's, a, it's an amazing book because it's all about making change when change is hard. Mm -hmm. And then there's a follow-up book to it called Upstream. And in Upstream, they talk about the idea that every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. And our systems are perfectly designed to get the results we're getting today. That's because they were designed years ago. It's time, it's just time. We're not saying people are bad people. This isn't a people problem most of the time. It is no, not, I don't think it very is. much a systems problem. Yeah. And we can affect that. And every little thing we do impacts everybody. It's not just the resident. It is, as you said, the staff. It's the it's the providers. It's everyone surrounding the family members. Everyone surrounding that loved one is impacted. And let's let's take I want to I want to sneak in a little bit of an action item right here. Michelle, what something is simply bringing in more live plants or, or some of those live trees into the building. Does that have a value or a benefit to the residents or does it really need to be this grandiose idea that we're in the woods and we got to do whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like this, this big grandiose idea, or can we start small? Can we get some of these more things easier accessible? Okay. So that is such a good question because there are benefits to looking at nature. Like even looking at it out your window is helpful, which in itself, a lot of people in, in aged care don't even have that. Particularly, right. you know, in some of these other places where people mm -hmm. live in dementia are placed, they, they can't even see nature, which is an issue. So yes, there are benefits, you know, putting your hands in the dirt, the soil, there's actual benefits to, to touching soil, physiological benefits to that. So that's good. But with Evergreen Minds, you know, I'm really kind of hell bent on getting people out. Like there's no substitute for fresh air. And I, you know, I know there's a lot of creativity with, you know, some of these um, designs where people create villages inside, but I'm very outspoken about that. Like, I, you know, I appreciate the thoughtfulness, but it's, it's not, you, you can't think it's, die. You, you know think it's I'm almost saying? a little Truman show-ish? I mean, some of those, I mean, I've heard that thrown around the Truman show-ish when you start creating this faux environment inside mm -hmm. it kind of, huh. yeah, I don't know. It, it just, I've heard that name thrown around a few times because, you know, about the Truman Show-ish. I hadn't heard that, but something just struck me, um, Michelle, about what you said too, and then your comment there, Francis, 
that there's so much creativity put into making this look like it's outside. <laughs> oh, you're right. I didn't even think what about what we use that creativity to actually get them yeah. outside. <laughs> and that's and that's our that's our thing. It's like try and kind of our slogan: try nature first. So before oh, you, I love that, love it. Try nature first. So before you offer an artificial dog, try a real dog. Before you go and put in, you know, fake plants and a fake fake clouds on the on the murals and the ceiling. How about you go outside and let's observe and, and take it in and see what we notice about those clouds or the way that the trees and the leaves. Oh, I love it. I love That's it. That's great. Try it first. Before popping that that um, anti-anxiety pill, yep. just mindfulness on the backyard, you know, and take the bus, get get a couple people, take them to the woods. You know, I'm yeah. thinking, like Francis said, wheels move. And that kills me too, that, that ageist idea of like, um, oh my gosh, I actually, I talked to this woman, I know she's not listening, she runs an adult day center and she was inquiring about Evergreen Minds and if I could come and do a program and I had, and I was doing a, a woodland program right next door to where this adult day center is, yeah. right? And so I invited her, I said, please, you know, come, we, we physically distance, it's a very small group, you know, it's very flat, so there's not a lot of walking and I will have chairs. She said, well, my people can't do that. My people, first of all, issue. My people can't do that. They have dementia. And I'm like, I made no sense. So she <laughs> proceeded to tell me that they wouldn't be able to follow along with these mindfulness, you know, kind of um, prompts that I was giving. And I was like, well, what, you know, why would you say that? What, what makes you think that they can't right. help? Right, right. We're, we're kind of imposing what we were talking about before. We're imposing these limitations without even providing an opportunity. Correct. So... Yeah. Well, that brings me up to a kind of a question that I think is important about this is when did we put our older adults in these bubbles? It, because we run in like we have um, I'm a big believer of movement just in general, right, of, of not restricting movement if we can, especially with those living with dementia. If they want to get up and move, they should be. We need to let them do it and get them, encourage them to do that. But we have this concern, I feel like, with a lot of facilities about falls or hurting themselves or, or do, I mean, again, I want to preface, we need to keep the safety element in, in mind, mm -hmm. but we can't just put people in these little protective bubbles and expect nothing to happen because all of us have hurt ourselves now. I mean, we do things that cause harm unintentionally, right? And when do you think we got to this point that they have to be this like almost bubble wrapped person that, again, I'm not proponent of falls. I hate falls, but I'm also not a proponent of just having someone sit there because we're afraid of a fall. Right, right. So there's this there's this line of how much paternalizing are we going to do? So these are adults. Right. We want to keep them safe and we want to keep them healthy. But where is that autonomy? Like where's the where's the choice in life? Because we all take risks in our daily lives. Like I just went to Target today. You know that's a risk, <laughs> but. Yeah. We, we have getting to in that. your car is a risk, though. You getting in your car is a risk. Right. Getting in your bathtub is a risk. Right. So we're, what we're talking mm -hmm. about a little bit is um, helicopter adult childing, and um, and and I mean, so from the adult child perspective, also our caregivers can be helicopter caregivers, mm -hmm. uh, just like helicopter parents. I was a helicopter parent. <laughs> I definitely did a little bit of helicoptering with my father as he moved into assisted living because I was worried about him. And it was my brothers who would get me out of that and say, you know what, dad, dad needs to move. Let him move. And that was really, uh, it was really opening, eye opening for me. So, I mean, I've certainly done all of the things that we have talked about. 
And I wonder, you know, talking about Francis, you said, where did that come from? When did we do that? I wonder the helicopter parent idea that began to happen at a certain generation. And I wonder if it's people like in my generation that are starting to to do the same with their own parents. I'm not sure, but I think it's something to think about. I would think it's on top of that. It's not just the kids, but it's the corporations that are lawsuit weary. Yes. And that's got to be another part of it. Yeah. I think it's a big part of that. You know, they, they you know, I because I, I hate medications. I hate psychotropics. I feel that we we need to solve the problem. It's, it's either our approach. It's our environment. It's our nutrition. It's our education. It's how we engage them. That needs to be looked at before we go right to ah, we're going to up whatever X, Y or Z psychotropic because we need them to not do whatever. But let's get to the upstream. Let's go upstream. Why are they doing this? Are they trying to express something verbally, non-verbally? Is there a pattern that they used to do growing up that we need to fill or encourage them to do? Let's get outside of our own way and actually listen through the different cues besides verbal cues that our residents are giving us. Right. That's so true. And I, you had an interview with Stephanie Erickson the other yes. day I was cheering because I was like, there also the other side of that is, you know, what related, what we're saying is have some insights some introspection about why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. And older adults have the same needs anybody else does. And people living dementia have the same needs anybody else does. So why aren't we offering these, these choices and these opportunities for expression? And um, so if we really sit back and, and analyze it, it, it really is about us, right? And, and like you said, you hit the nail on the head. We don't want to be sued and we don't want to deal with difficult emotions because we're uncomfortable. Like for instance, I studied death, that's like my thing. And so we don't want to talk about it. For God's sake, don't talk about it. We might upset somebody. Right. Well, it's just not, it's just not the case for everybody. So we really need to kind of look inward and say, well, why are we doing this? Why, why are we, you know, keeping people inside? Yeah. And you're right. There's a little bit of the, I, I don't know that ego is the right term, but there, there's a sense of pride. He's not going to fall on my watch, not going to happen on my watch. And in fact, that goes so far as, um, that having someone in assisted living, sometimes they'll say, nope, your father is a fall risk. You have to bring in home care or one of your family members has to be here 24 seven. Like really? So we're paying eight, $10,000 a month. And now we have to pay another three, $4,000 a month to have someone babysit him. Or 20,000, depending on how much you're doing it. Cause there's some places that do 24 seven. If they're a fall risk that one, I don't care. Yeah. So I think um, I think that the bubble wrap is is uh, needs to be popped and done appropriately and well. But I love this. Try nature first. Try nature first. Let's see if that helps us uh, get rid of some of this bubble wrap. Right. And I think it goes back to what we all do. We all go out of our front door more days than not, right? We do. And our front door is most, for most people is to the outside in some capacity or the back patio or back deck porch, whatever, right? Why don't we have those same opportunities for those that are living in some type of long-term care residence? Mm, reforming agents. Love it. Yes. We are, we are, we're, we're all learning. Right, right. So that's what senior living needs to catch up. Like we can't keep doing this. We have to change. Oh, that's such a, that's perfect right there. That's it right there. Senior living has to catch up. It's time. So, 
I want to know from you, Michelle, what are some little action items that we can give our listeners that they can take away today to start small, right? To start small um, and really begin to snowball this into an amazing reforming, reformation, right? Or, or, or disruption, however you want to term it. Right. So, I mean, there's things we can all do. We can all get outside, number one, right? Start with yourself because if you don't do it yourself, you're not going to be able to help other people do it. And then you, you sometimes you have to force yourself because we're so busy. We're caught up in busyness, right? So get outside yourself. Take a few minutes. Breathe. Appreciate one, two little things outside and really just hone in on those for a few minutes. Then people that you're you're caring for and, and living with, you know, bring them with you. Little action steps. Follow Evergreen Minds because this is what we are doing. We are on a mission to do, um, you know, research within long-term care settings. And we want, we oh goodness, we also are um, kind of partnering up with some, some uh, organizations around here for um, a Leave No Child Inside program, which is TEAM, 14 to 17. Uh, yes. That's so cool. Yeah, through the Cornell Cooperative Extension. And we're also partnering with Vassar College because they have a 500-acre nature preserve and farm. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so there's so so many opportunities. So, you know, bringing the older folks and the younger folks together outside and, um, you know, just building these connections. It's So, Michelle, you're in New York. Are you going to be expanding Evergreen Mines into other states? I want it here in Colorado. Oh, I do too. Well, our president is in California, Aaron Partridge, yep. and we have a wonderful board, um, board members and board of directors. And a lot of them are in, uh, one is in Montana and another one's in California, two more are in California. So a lot of folks, I think I'm the only one, like two, three of us here actually in New York, but a lot of folks are out your way. Um, so the hope is to grow nationwide and to offer certification training so that everybody can do this because there are, you know, some, some mindful tools that anybody can learn. Um, and uh, that's our mission. We're going to do this. Love yes, it. you are. You love are doing it. it. You are doing it. Yes. I yeah. love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we we will have you back again, I'm sure, because we'll want to follow what you're doing. And if people want to reach out to you and learn more about Evergreen Minds, how can they do that? Sure. You can go to evergreenminds.org. And you can also feel free to email me at Molson. It's M like the beer. Everybody knows my last name, so I'm gonna make it clear. M-O-L-S-O-N at evergreenminds.org. Excellent. And we've got that in our show notes. In our show notes. We'll have links. And um, it's such a treat always to talk with you. And I love the purple. I love the purple in your hair. I love the purple in your glasses. I love the shirt. And um, go Thank get them. We have yes. your back. Thanks y'all so much and for everything you're doing. Well, thank and, you. We, and Ellen Bucciarelli says you're awesome, Michelle. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Ellen, for tuning Ellen. in. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we thank Michelle for everything. And this is, we're, we're excited for where this is going to go. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank right, you. you Everyone yeah. have a great day. Have a great day and great weekend. Take care. Bye-bye.